Welcome to Superman Movie Minutes, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies is 1978's Superman the Movie, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me, as always, through this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Howdy, Chris. Hey, Rob. How's it going? Very well. How are you doing on this fine Saturday morning? I am doing great, and we have a special guest. We absolutely do. Retur- making a return appearance of the show is Atomic Junk Chops, John Trumbull. Hi, John. You're a dreamer, Rob Kelly. A sick, twisted dreamer. I've always thought so, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, that Plan is- can never work. <laughs> I'm, wearing, I'm wearing one of those wigs as we speak, so just to get in character. So, uh, as John suggests, the minutes that we're going to be doing in this episode are 111 through 115. It opens with the missiles on their way, and it ends with Miss Tessmacher making a deal with Superman. So, uh, yeah, I mean, right after this, uh, the, the opening moments here, as we see the missiles, uh, and we see one of them not heading the way they're supposed to be heading. And it makes me wonder, did no one at the Army check the vectors before they sent these missiles out? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> well, and, and we'll get into this later, but I have another question about that, too. We'll, right. we'll, we'll get into it later. Right. Yeah. I mean, wait, what, what a way to dot the I's and cross the T's, fellas. It's like... We're about to send some nuclear missiles out on a test. Did anyone check the vectors? Well, I, they were fine yesterday. Uh, <laughs> all right, I guess so. I, you know, good I mean, I, I find that the military doesn't tend to be real detail-oriented. Mm, so, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's a pretty accurate all right. depiction. It's, it's good. It's fine. It's not a big yeah, deal. Yeah, you know, they, they have ass a lot of stuff. I mean, I mean, these minutes do not present the military in the greatest light because we see right after that that they have Cliff Clavin manning the boards for Pete's sakes. I wouldn't trust him to do that. <laughs> him and C. Everett Coop, you know. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I got C. Everett Coop back there. Yeah, this uh, this film, of course, features uh, John. Uh, uh, what's his name? What's the actor's John name? Ratzenberger. John Ratzenberger. John Ratzenberger. I'm sorry. Yeah, the P- Pixar's lucky charm, John Ratzenberger, uh, in a small role, and of course, he also appeared in The Empire Strikes Back. So that makes John Ratzenberger one of the most successful box office attractions in all of movie history. He's and, in Superman and, too. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the guys at Mission Control. That's right. That's yeah. right. So he's he's got a huge box office record. Good for him. Surprised he wasn't able to parlay Cheers into a bigger career, but nevertheless, <laughs> he's got a pretty big part here. And he tries to shut the missiles down. And they ask him, "Can't we do that?" And he's basically like, "No, we can't." So they're like, "Okay, I guess we have to call the president." Like, yeah, good idea, guys. Okay, fine. So now we yeah. go back to the back to Lex's pad. And uh, he's uh, giving Superman a lecture about everything that's going on, and he's got the pointer. And I just love how calm Superman is. He stands there with his hands folded. Like, he could just rip Lex apart, but he doesn't do it. He just sort of lets Lex go on his little speech. There's one little moment during Lex's exchange with Superman that I don't don't quite get, where where Lex says, like, like, uh, that the one missile is is uh, on its way elsewhere. Christopher Reeve, he just bows his head down for a moment, and it's just such a weird reaction. It honestly looks to me like Christopher Reeve is trying to think of his next line. Hmm. Nude reaction, it seems strange to me. I I kind of, I thought that too, John, and I was watching it real close. I've kind of thought that, I think, I think Christopher Reeve's getting ready to kind of, he gets a little smile on his face like he's shaking his head. And I'm like, you're crazy, you know, and, and then, then that's when Lex yells, Mr. Smucker, you know, <laughs> and, and then, and then it's this great reaction from Christopher Reeve. He actually jumps when Lex yells, you know, 
Yes, uh, he does. Yeah, so I think he was getting ready to kind of give him the, oh, man, you're, you know, the kind of like the sick, twisted dreamer thing again. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that that is kind of odd because I think I think that I don't think they gave him enough time to quite get across what he was going to get across before Hackman went into his yell. And I, I, yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think to really get that reaction across, we probably needed a close-up of Christopher Reeve. It's such a long shot. I wasn't mm-hmm. reading smile at all right yeah so maybe if i saw it on a big screen it'd be it'd be clearer but i haven't seen it on a big screen in years oh john too soon john too soon uh so uh (laughs) yeah it's an interesting idea maybe it's that because superman right now is just feeling really confident you know he's like all right i'm gonna i've totally got this guy there's no way this guy is going to be able to do anything to harm me because of course his reaction to the the the, what's about to happen is pretty big is pretty severe so yeah uh we we do get a shot of um miss tessmacher as she is ordered away and she lingers and she has that look of Mm -hmm. and you know we're seating like okay she's already pretty sweet on superman she thinks he's pretty handsome so she doesn't quite listen to lex the way she's supposed to so anyway i love the whole bit about where you calls the sick twisted dreamer that's very superman i feel like that's just one of the great great lines and um it's funny you chris you've mentioned this on on several occasions about how you can tell christopher reeve's body shape changes uh from scene to scene there's somewhere he's a little less developed there's one scene here where after he picks up gene hackman and drops him where he looks a little thinner he looks a little less bulky and i gotta wonder well that means it was this scene shot earlier on we know that a lot of hackman stuff was sort of shot in a clump so i wonder if that's that that isn't what happened here because he just he just doesn't look as beefy as a sort of woody in, in some of the later scenes yeah like when he re- reaches over to get inside the box right it's like his he doesn't he doesn't have as much it's like his suit even sags just a little bit when he you know when he when he reaches over he's not like filling it out quite as he, as he yeah, did later yeah yeah, yeah. It, i i love the i love the the bit where uh, Miss Tessmacher comes in. She's fixing her hair, mm-hmm. you know, as she comes yeah. to see Superman. And uh, of course, then she slips and lets Superman know about the second missile, because you get the idea that Lex wasn't going to tell him there was. That's another, right. The, That's right. You know, the the other missile, and it, it it always makes me wonder, you know. And then of course she gets upset because you know we later find out where it goes. But where was the other missile originally going to go before Otis screwed it up? You know, was it going to go to California, too, or did he have some other distraction planned or something? That's interesting. Yeah, I don't think they ever really get into that where he was. I mean, presumably he was going to send it in another. I mean, if he was if he was doing it to distract Superman and keep Superman separated from the one in California, he couldn't have done a better job than to send it to New Jersey. Because it's the furthest end of the, you know, I mean, it's not yeah. the furthest end. I guess he could have sent it to, like, Australia or something. But as we know, Lex likes a beachfront property. So, yeah. uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I did it. I mentioned Superman, too. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's my fault. Chris, I, I'll take them all again on that one. But, uh, Let's but, ruler of Australia. Yeah, ruler of Australia, yeah. Um, so I, I love all that bit about your sick, twisted dreamer. It's just Superman being Superman. This is really the only chance he has in the movie to talk like Superman, you know, to kind of be this yeah, direct kind yeah. of guy. Cause of course, when he's talking to the crooks, as we discussed in a previous episode, he's more humorous cause he doesn't regard them as a threat, but here he's really sort of taking Lex seriously. So then, he's um, talking himself up more, you know? Yes. Yeah. 
so I, I love the whole lifting. He lifts Lex up. When you hear Lex go like, like that, like he's being roughly, you know, picked up by Superman. He's not maybe expecting, I mean, you know, not, not that many people get picked up by Superman in a threatening way. So it's got to be pretty scary. And then, of course, Lex does the purposeful, uh, very unsubtle eye roll over to the desk of like, whoa, where's where, where, Superman? Where? And I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed at Superman that he couldn't tell that that was a gimme. You know, he's like, he's clearly, you know, like, hey, Superman, look over there. I'm, I'm pretending not to look, but here I am over there. So he drops Lex. I love that whole bit. And then we get a little uh, display of Superman with his X-ray powers. And he gets to mm-hmm. see all the stuff. Now, this was before movies did stuff like this, before superhero movies did stuff like this. So I'm not going to knock the movie that it doesn't have it. But I would have loved it if we had seen in a drawer like a Brainiac head. That would have been so cool. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been cute. That would have been cute. Uh, the X-ray effect is is pretty cool, like because you you have the desk and then you just suddenly are seeing inside all the drawers of the desk, and it's actually in effect not like what you would have seen probably on the '50s show with George Reeves when he uses X-ray vision. Yeah, it's pretty simple. But, yeah, it's a pretty pretty yeah, basic. Yeah, but, effect. but it's very effective. Yep. I mean, it's just like a quick double exposure, and you know they probably just put, took the fronts off the desk and and shot it with all the stuff inside, and then just. Get little inserts there, and uh, I look. So then, then Superman gets the great line about, uh, "I'll mold this box into your prison bars," which is again another great Superman line. <laughs> and Lex, Lex is playing it up to the hill with the whole, "Don't open that, don't touch that." Like he's he's pretending to, you know, try and direct Superman when he knows he's using reverse psychology. That Superman is going to do the exact thing he's Lex is telling him not to do. It's you have to admire. Uh, Lex's ability to stay in sort of in character in this moment because it's still got to be pretty scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hackman is very good. Like, because most of the the notes he has to play in this movie are comedic, uh, but he still keeps that underlying air of menace. So Lex still works as a villain. It's it's not as campy as it would have been with like somebody else in the role. And what I find so fascinating about these scenes is like Hackman, Beatty, and Brian, They're all basically playing a comedy, but Reeve is playing it completely straight, and it would be so easy for him to slip into camp, or at least even a, like a tongue-in-cheek kind of quality, but he never does that. And it, it somehow still works, even with those contrasting styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 is, it is amazing to, we've, and we've discussed this throughout, it's amazing in a lot of ways that, it, 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 that this film works the way it does, and I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's it's credit to Donner and Mankiewicz and Stuart Baird and and Reeve and Hackman and all those guys and 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 when that formula is slightly skewed in uh, I hate to mention them but later <laughs> films then you you lose some of that and then you get mm-hmm. moments that go too far into the yeah. comedy you know and yeah, I mean, even in, even the much beloved second movie there's some elements in there where it just goes too far you know into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah so. it's, it's a much more delicate balance than you than you guess because these guys all make it look so easy. And you're right, yeah, Chris. Right. When you when you see it a little off, you're like, oh no, that ain't right. So I love <laughs> I love the look that Reeve gives uh, or Superman gives Lex when he's like, don't touch that. He just gives him like, oh, give me a break. You know, come on. Lex. Oh, yeah. So then he opens. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say he's he, he says something that my for some reason my dad. Always keyed into the fact that he says, You diseased maniac. He just, I don't know why. My dad just, he always referred, if I brought up Lex Luthor, he said, You mean the diseased maniac? You know, just, I don't know why, but 
he just loved that line. I just had to put that out there. My dad loves, still thinks, he still talks about that. He loved that line. I don't know why. Very <laughs> memorable, very distinctive. You know, it's a very yeah. distinctive way of And he delivers it beautifully, too. Yeah, he does yeah. Line, So I mean, those, those are lines that could be, that could play very, very cheesy if, if you don't deliver them just right. But he, he delivers them with just enough sincerity that they work. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure at some point in the Batman 1966 TV show, Batman referred to Joker as a diseased maniac. I'm sure that exactly. I, I can hear that line coming out of Adam West. And it, Lucas it get, Exactly. You get a totally <laughs> yeah. different read from it. So Superman opens yeah. the case, and then we see, boom, the kryptonite. Now, I'm not a Superman expert, obviously, other than my love of this movie, but I am curious about like, what does krypton, what does kryptonite do to Superman that renders him so immobile so fast. I mean, can he just shut the lid? Like, what, like, what does that do to him? That he, can, I mean, is it the shock of it that he's just Superman's been invulnerable for so long? He's been on Earth, I guess, thirty years at this point, or to, mm-hmm. close to it. He's been so invulnerable for so long that he just the shock of it throws him back, and that gives Lex enough time to, you know, go to dig the Krypton out of the box. But I've always just wondered about that. That it's like Superman folds like a cheap suit. You know, the minute, or should I say, fold? Super, Superman folds like Superman folds on laundry day. It's a better metaphor. That it just, <laughs> he just, he can't handle seeing kryptonite even for a tenth of a second. Like, is kryptonite that powerful? I, I, I think, um, I, I think the way Reeve plays it, that's that's his take on it. That it's the shock of it. It's like okay. suddenly yeah. he feels like he's never felt before, and it's just like you said, he's been completely invulnerable. And this Superman. Uh, had his powers from the get-go. I mean, he lifts the truck up as soon as he gets out of the truck, coming right. out of the ship. You know, so unlike John Byrne's Superman, who you know uh, slowly developed his 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 powers, he had them all. Which is, I never have understood. How, having had children, if there was a superpower <laughs> child, <laughs> the parents would be dead within like the first day. But anyway, uh, not that they get dark. But uh, but but yeah. So I think that that's his reaction. There is that. He is just so in shock. And, you know, of course, then Lex is just grinning from ear to ear because he guessed right, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, one of the things I love about this movie is is that Lex basically deduces the existence of kryptonite. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, obviously it will have this effect on Superman. I mean, I, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you get into it, but I like it because it shows how smart Lex is. He's thinking outside the box. Um, almost literally. Yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, you could make a case that Superman is maybe a little overconfident at this point in the movie because he hasn't come across anything that's truly challenged him. I mean, everything he's he's accomplished, he's accomplished pretty easily and, and confidently. So he's like, well, uh, you know, I can handle this, you know, whatever he's, he's going to throw at me. And so when when he opens that box, it's it's literally unlike anything he's encountered before, and obviously Jor-El never informed him about this as a possibility. He so had yeah, he had the time. <laughs> you think they could have covered that sometime in those twelve years? But, <laughs> um, but no, I mean he's utterly shocked. He's never seen anything like this before, and he's never felt that way before. Uh, so he's he's really weak in the knees. I remember during the the John Byrne era of Superman, Byrne theorized a bit about how kryptonite worked was which was the the radiation of kryptonite like somehow drove the solar radiation out of superman's cells 
So that was what made him weak. And then if it was too prolonged of exposure, he would he would ultimately die. Um, I don't know if that explanation really existed, you know, back in '78 when this movie was done, but uh, it makes sense to me. I, you know, I don't know if the effect is that instantaneous, but I mean, it works dramatically. So. All right, yeah, it does make sense. I, I love that uh, Luthor refers to himself as a diseased maniac when he says this old diseased maniac. Like, he's really yeah. sort of sticking the knife in. He's, like, you know, completely mocking Superman. And he puts it, literally puts the rock around his, his neck, which is great, and then tosses it. I mean, yeah. first of all, how Lex has even managed to pick up Superman, I don't know. Cause, I mean, we, I mean it's, it's been established Superman only weighs 2, 225, as Lois marvels at. But still, I don't, you know... I, I'm not able to lift 225 pounds, you know. I mean, why does why does Superman even have him? You know, <laughs> doesn't he just push him over? I, didn't, I never read that as him actually picking Superman up. Well, but I would think Superman would resist a little, though. That's what I'm saying. Is like, I mean, he oh. he clearly helps him along. Like he gets up and walks. But it's like, why would Superman do that? Why would Superman? If I was Superman, I would just lay there. I'd be like, I'm not helping you pick me up. <laughs> you know, you're trying to kill me. What's the matter with you? I think he's still in shock. I mean, I think I think that's yeah. the way I think Reeve plays it as Superman. I mean, he's getting weaker, but he doesn't even understand what's happening to him. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, he, other he's almost delirious. Yeah, uh, other actors have played you know Kryptonite like you know they're in like serious writhing pain as soon as it as it comes at him. I think of Tom Welling. You know, he as, when he was Clark Kent, he he went into that really quickly. And of course, at first they put all these weird like veins and stuff all over him when they had exposed to Kryptonite, but uh, but yeah, Reed plays it almost just like, you know, and I think at the moment, you know, he does kind of crumple and Lex kind of picks him up by his arm mm-hmm. and kind of guides him over to the pool. So it, it, it I, I think at that point, he's just, you know, he's almost just like he's stumbling around in a daze almost, you know, That's, uh, to, you know, of course, then he, he asks him, you don't even care where the other missile's going, do you? So he does have enough, enough, uh, uh, of himself is to himself enough to ask it that question. But my, my one gripe is, and we get into this in a few, in a few moments, but I wish that they, that Lex had kind of wrapped it around him a little bit more. Cause it always just seemed to me like he could just float out of that. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's a long chain. Yeah. Yeah. Way, can we take a minute just to appreciate how cool the kryptonite prop looks? It doesn't just look like a, a rock spray painted green. It, it actually looks like it's glowing, and that's mm-hmm. that's really cool. I, I guess they had some sort of light inside the the kryptonite prop, but I think that's that's really cool, and it goes a long way towards helping sell the scene. Did either one yeah. of you, did either one of you have the kryptonite rock that you could buy in the pages of DC <laughs> Comics? I I, I I did. I bought one. Oh, how was it? Well, it was just a green rock, basically. You know, I mean, it wasn't. But it was fun to. It was fun to have it. No doubt about it. I mean, it was. It always seemed such a weird. First of all, the ad was in. I mean, we're getting off the subject a little. But the ad was in black and white, which was always odd to me. Like, you guys couldn't spring for color. Like, what's that about? And then, it, it. When I see that ad now, I think about a joke that I saw in Ambush Bug, where they did like a a page of ads, and it was like. Buy a kryptonite rock for five dollars. Take five years off Superman's life. And it was like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> why would kids want to own the thing that kills Superman? That seems like a weird protection. You know, yeah, that's very strange. Yeah, if I remember right, the ad says something like, "Be Superman's friend. Like, keep the kryptonite, you know, safe, you know, for him, you know, or something <laughs> like that." Now. 
Yeah, uh, it, I didn't have that, but I had the piece of kryptonite that came with the Remco Energized Superman. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, right. So you plug it into him and he fall over or whatever or something. I, I don't remember what it was, but it was it was something like that. It was cool. And it had like – it was weird because it was green and then it had a like one little strip of red through it. I'm like, oh, this is like red and green kryptonite oh, somehow. Nice. Hyper kryptonite. Yeah. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was cool. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Rob. Uh, I thought it was cool inside the box. You see little pieces of other rock around it, like Lex had to chip away mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like right. pieces of the meteor that weren't maybe exactly kryptonite that had kind of come encased around the the kryptonite. I thought I always I always thought that was cool because at first, you yeah. know, I, it's one of those things I didn't notice till years later. Probably with you know seeing it on the big screen once more, or high def TVs, you you notice things like that. You know, yeah. But when you see that picture in the in the magazine from Addis Ababa, you see like you know a big chunk of rock. Mm-hmm. With just like a, a few little flecks of green, so yeah, mm-hmm. they, uh, you know when they they had that off-screen robbery at Addis Ababa, and you know I have no idea how they did that in the time <laughs> movie show, <laughs> um, you know. But yeah, after they got that Lex chipped away and to get what he wanted. We see Superman yeah. underwater, and Chris, it, that thing ha- happens that you mentioned, but where we see the chain all of a sudden looks a lot more tangled up it's like a pair of uh, iphone headphones you know it's just like this <laughs> massive thing you're like never gonna be able to untangle this thing so you can see why superman is kind of desperate and i i give the movie credit it it really does present him as kind of hapless and pathetic yeah. like he's really trying and he's not getting anywhere like he's trying to break the chains with his super strength and it's just not happening which i like i like that they were willing to make him like it really underscores how powerful a reaction he has to the kryptonite is that it it doesn't just make him into like a regular person. It, it literally starts killing him almost instantly, which I think is a nice effect. I mean, it probably does a worse job on him and faster than radiation would to a regular person. You know, I mean, if, yeah. if, you, get, if you get radiated, it kills you later. It doesn't kill yeah. you in two minutes. But I guess for kryptonite, it literally, you know, Superman has about five minutes left of his life, which is a nice effect. And then, of course, he notices Miss Tessmacher as she's hanging behind one of those statues and he reaches out to her. And she, I love her trying to, like, tell him to be quiet because she doesn't want mm-hmm. Lex there. She's like, shh, shh. I, I love it. She keeps looking over her shoulder. I think that's a great detail. But she, she wants to save him, but she doesn't want to get, as she says, uh, wrapped in the mouth uh, over it. I think that's a, that's a great little detail. Yeah, yeah. Look at, looking at the scene, I'm, it's also just amazing how how wonderful this set is of, of Lex Luthor's headquarters. I mean, that's just a spectacular set, and they, you know, just just in the design and also in how they they dress it, it really looks lived in, and it's shot beautifully. I mean, it's just oh, it's so good looking. I was gonna say last time we were talking about how it looked like it had to be like an old part of grand central station that was built over top. And in this yeah. one, there's so many signs that are yeah. pointing like to the bar, yeah. to the restaurant. That has to be what it's meant to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you see all that all over the place. It's like, uh, you know, when Lex goes into the control room, there's a sign above that says to such and such, you yeah, know, lower so, level baggage delivery. Yeah. That's in fact, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I skipped over that scene. I didn't mean to, because when that's the scene where Miss Tessmacher finds out that the other missiles headed to Hackensack, and she has the line, yeah. "My mother lives in Hackensack." And Lex, Lex looks at his watch, gives her the the no signal, and so we know that this nuclear missile is headed for Hackensack. So, John, it's been nice knowing you. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah Hackensack is only about thirty minutes away from me as we're recording this. I live in Parsippany, which isn't 
too, too far away. I'm about, uh, I think, 10 or 15 exits away yeah. from that stack. <laughs> and, Do you know the test mockers? <laughs> I, I've never met the test mockers. I have been to Hackensack. I used to, I used to have a friend who lived in Hackensack back in the late 90s, and I always would think of Superman the movie whenever I drove out that way. And it's, it's just kind of like a small, you know, suburban town, or at least the parts I saw were. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is Hackensack. It's nice to have a metal image of the place. Um, now, now, let me ask you guys a question, because I've heard some debate about this. In my mind, um, Lex never really cared about where the second missile was heading. I mean, I kind of get that from... from Hackman's performance, um, so it was. It was just could have gone to any old random place. I've I've had some people bring up to me though that they think Lex was intentionally sending the missile to Hackensack to kill off Miss Tessmacher's mother. Like it was it was very intentional. So wh- where do you guys stand on that? Oh, I didn't know. I didn't get that read at all. I don't think no, he cares. I, yeah. I think I think honestly that's the missile that that's I always think it is that's the missile that Otis goofed up and they didn't go back and fix that one they right. they they went and got they changed the navy codes mm-hmm. uh, vectors and uh, so that missile was supposed to go somewhere else and that's why Miss Tessmacher is unaware of it until he says it because right. he didn't yeah. tell her where it was going to go that that's the way sense. I always read it and yeah. of course then that totally changes her. Uh, you know, perception. Of course, she she spills the beans to Superman about there being a second missile. So you're already getting kind of the idea that here at the eleventh hour, she's really having a change of heart about what Lex is doing. You know, that's 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 kind of the the impression I get. I mean, maybe she's not willing to go completely and you know try to stop Lex, but you know, if she can just give Superman a little hint, then maybe he will even mm-hmm. before she knows. It's going after her mother, you know. So, right. I, you know, I'm now starting to wonder if maybe like Lex's original plan was to have it hit somewhere on the East Coast, like in Metropolis, and that would keep Superman too busy to head out to California, which was the main part of Luther's plan that he, you know, wanted. That to would do. make sense. And then, and then, and then, like, you know, maybe when he finds out Otis accidentally screwed up the coordinates. You know, he sees it's going to Hackensack, New Jersey, and he's like, ah, that's close enough. That's, that's, you know, that, that'll do. And, uh, so in a weird way, Otis actually saves the day in this yeah, movie. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true, because we know that uh, New York is basically subbing for, Metropolis is subbing for New York, because we've seen the Statue of Liberty. So, yeah, if the missile's headed for Metropolis, it's going to, well, it's going to blow up Hackensack anyway. So, you know, right. what's the difference? Doesn't matter. It's that not too far from New York slash Metropolis. Yep. Uh, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. And I, and I also love that, you know, Luther, he finds out in that moment that it's going to kill his girlfriend's mother, and he does not care. It doesn't nope. say at all. He just looks at his watch, shakes his head no, and he doesn't even say anything. That's just, that's so cold. It's wonderful. Yeah, this scene does a great job of showing that despite all the buffoonery that's been going on, that Lex Luthor is very much a threat. And uh, I, I really, it really sells it. And I mean, you know, uh, he, you know, Superman, I mean, when he, when he's coming at him, he says mind over muscle, you know, um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the whole, and I don't, I don't subscribe to that, you know, theory that Superman's a big dumb lunkhead. I mean, it, you know, I, I'm not sure I was ever a real big fan of the silver age, super intelligence bit, but you know, I don't like it to where, you know, you know, Batman's smart, Superman's, muscle you know i don't like i don't really like that 
but I do like that. That's Lex's edge. You know, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, yeah. that's, that has to be his edge over, over Superman. And, uh, uh, not that he's maybe not as Superman's not as intelligent as Lex, but he doesn't apply his intelligence in the devious way that Lex does. And, right. uh, I, I think that's great. And I, even though this is back in the comedy, I love Lex's line. We all have our little faults. Mine's in California. <laughs> <laughs> That is a great line. <laughs> I'm glad you referenced uh, Batman, Chris, because it does occur to me that the, the Superman Lex Luthor talks like the Batman of the 90s. I mean, you really <laughs> could see Batman saying all these things, mind over muscle. Like, he talks yeah. to Superman in that condescending way, the way Lex does. So I think writers kind of overlearn that lesson a little about Batman being uh, a martinet and a jerk, because he really does sound like Lex Luthor in a lot of these, a lot of the, a lot of the later comics. So. And, and so the five minute the five minutes ends with with uh, with Tessmacher making the deal for Superman as he's floating in the water and he does agree to it finally. So that's the end of these uh, five minutes. We'll have to find out in the next episode what happens whether uh, Superman does uh, in fact uh, save Miss Tessmacher's family. So uh, I think that's good. To bring it, we're white. I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah. No spoiler alert. <laughs> um, so. So I think that's going to do it. So, John, um, thank you so much for, for stopping by. This is going to be your final appearance in Superman Movie Minute as we wind down the movie. So thank you so much for coming on. And uh, before we sign off, where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, well, um, you can find me on, on the Internet, um, usually at uh, AtomicJunkShop.com, where I write um, you know, about what other sort of geek stuff catches my fancy that week. Uh, so you can just go on there and search for John Trumbull and find all the stuff I've been writing there for the last year and a half. Um, I'm also on Twitter at uh, Trumbull Comic. And, uh, oh, you know, and I think I should mention, um, you know, all of us, we write for, for Back Issue Magazine. And I know you're going to have Michael Yuri back in a little while. Right. Um, we, should, we should probably mention that uh, uh, Back Issue number 109 is going to... Uh, be very relevant to uh, the interest of anybody who listens to this podcast. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, you know, there's. I don't want to tell too much. I'm sure Michael can give more details when he comes on. But you know, there is going to be a special uh, celebration of Superman in the movie. For it's, 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 it's the all quest for peace uh, issue. It's really going to be yes. amazing. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Really? Yeah. Gutsy of Michael Yuri to, to devote a whole issue to that movie, but uh, you know, hey, he, he's, the, journalism. he's the editor, so what the hell? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, he was like, hey, it's the 31st anniversary. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tackle it. Let's, 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 go, let's go all out. So anyway, yeah, yeah. John, thank you so much for stopping by. We appreciate you uh, coming by to talk about these uh, these uh, minutes of the movie. And uh, Chris, where can people find you on the network? Oh, I'm all over the network. I've got. Uh, the new JLU cast, uh, where my wife Cindy and I talk about Justice League Unlimited uh, and Justice League animated series, and uh, on Supermates with my wife, and Batman Nightcast with Ryan, and do Power Records with you on occasion, Rob, but and elsewhere on the network too. Yeah, you're all over the place. As am I. Is that all? <laughs> <Yeah>, seems <laughs> like it's more than that. Yeah, I also I do Fire and Water podcast and Film and Water podcast and Pot Dylan and Treasury cast and Digest cast and. Uh, and I got to say, the first uh, at the, as of this recording, the first episode of JLU Cast is out, and it was just terrific. I loved it; it was great. So, very happy to be adding that to the network. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, until next week, we will see you later. Bye. Bye. This country is safe against Superman, thanks to you. No, sir. Don't thank me, Warden. We're all part of the same team. Night. Nice.